0: Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hopeatcrossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And now, here's this week's message.
1: Amen, amen. There was Jesus through every circumstance of life. He is there. Aren't you grateful for that? A little more than uh, 23 years ago, I was grateful I was in a delivery room. And um, my wife, first child, uh, was uh, calling me names that uh, I can't repeat in a situation like we're in this morning. It's amazing how that love changed in the flash of an eye. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you I know are in that situation where you, it's, it's coming. It's coming for you. But I remember being in that room and... Uh, the, you know, she, she had said before that, and be praying for her, she's st- getting over sickness this morning. She had said, of course, this being the first child, when the doctor said, you know, do you want anything for the pain? Or you just want to just endure it? She had said, well, I, no, I think I'll just endure it. And I remember uh, a few hours in when we got to the hospital, she's like, uh, I, the Lord has changed my mind. The Lord has changed my mind. She said, bring me that epi thing, you ca- epidural thing, bring that to me. And I remember uh, they, there was a mirror in the room that we were in, all, all across this, the whole wall was mirrors. I don't understand that. But he told the doctor, the doctor said to me, he said, we're going to get her to turn to you and you just kind of hold her and we're going to put the epidural in. And so I'm thinking, okay, I can handle this. I just I can hold my wife. That's easy, not a big deal. And I made a mistake of looking into the mirror as they're doing this procedure. And I remember the nurse looking at me and saying, Sir, are you okay? And that's the last thing I remember. That's the last thing I remember. No, I'm kidding. I actually stood there a minute. She said, "You, you look a little pale. Maybe you should sit down. And I'm like, no, maybe I need the epidural because I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get through this process. You may say, what in the world does that have to do with anything? I'm so glad that you asked. Because Jesus picks up the conversation last week. He told his disciples about abiding. And we had to stop because we had things to do this week. But Jesus' conversation actually continued right into John chapter 16. So I want to encourage you, if you have a Bible or a tablet or an app, to look at it. And while you're pulling it up on your app or looking in your Bible, I want to say this. I have felt impressed this past week to tell you as a church something. I want you to get into this book. Even on Sunday, don't assume I'm telling you what's in the Bible. I will. But you need to see it for yourself. And really, we live in a day and age where there's no excuse because there's digital versions and you can look at it on any digital device. Or I kind of like on Sundays just to have something I can feel and touch. And so I want to encourage you, if you've got a Bible or a tablet or something, bring it on Sunday. I'm not preaching out of the newspaper. The newspaper has nothing to say to us that's going to help us. I'm not going to read out of an editorial column or any just random opinion uh, article off the internet, because that's not going to help us. So please... Get into this book and help me and hold me accountable that we say in this book. John chapter 16, Jesus picks up the conversation this way and he says this to the disciples. These things I have spoken to you that you may be kept from stumbling. They will make you outcasts from the synagogue, but an hour is coming. And listen to this, if we don't live in this hour right now, I don't know what hour we're in. An hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think he is offering service to God. And there are many people, by the way, just stop right there for a second, that are being killed, you, you, you know this, I know you do, but this is a reminder, that are being killed, have been killed this week because they are proclaiming the truth of Jesus. You do know that. We sit in this wonderful auditorium and we, that's not happening to us yet. I'm not going to get political, but there was a decision made this week, uh, in the Senate that will go to the House of Representatives that will will probably, if it passes and it probably will, will strategically alter the future of our our country. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's called the the, uh, Respect for Marriage Act, I think is what it's called. There's no respect in the act at all, but research it. If you're a believer and a child of God, you should be keeping up. And I'm going to do my best as a pastor to help you. You should be keeping up with these things. Because they're going to strategically, they will probably alter the way that we do church. Our tax exempt status probably will be threatened if I continue to say certain things from the pulpit. So this hour that Jesus is talking about with his disciples right here, I believe we're actually in that hour right now. And he tells his disciples, you're actually going to probably be killed. And people are going to think they're offering a great service to God by killing you. Why would they do that? Well, Jesus answers the question. These things they'll do because they have not known the Father or me. But these things I've spoken to you. That when the hour comes, you may remember that I told you all of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. But I'm telling you these things. I'm going to him who sent me, Jesus says, verse 5. And none of you ask me where you're going. But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. And then he goes back to talk about something he's mentioned before. Verse 7, he starts to talk about the Holy Spirit again. He says, to tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I'm going away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, shall not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer behold me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he'll not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he speaks, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. And here he's getting ready to say, verse 14, some powerful things that are another reminder, another biblical example that there are Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, three in one. He says this in verse 14, He shall glorify me, for he shall take of mine and shall disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he takes of mine and he will disclose it to you. A little while and you'll no longer behold me, and again a little while and you will see me. Some of the disciples, therefore, said to one another, What is this thing he's telling us? A little while and you'll not behold me, and again a little while and you will see me, and because I go to the Father? And so they were saying, what is this that he says a little while? We don't, we don't know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that they were wished to question him. And Jesus said to them, are you deliberately talking about this that I said a little while and you'll not behold me? And again, a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turn to joy. Let's stop right there. That's the first observation I want to make about this passage that Jesus is sharing about this whole idea of joy. And the first thing that he says to the disciples is he promises to turn their grief to joy. All of us have experienced grief. Jesus is saying to to the disciples here, the world is going to rejoice because basically I'm going to be crucified. They're going to shout, crucify, crucify. They're going to celebrate us. A large faction of people are going to rejoice because they have killed, so they think, the person who has thwarted their plan. And so Jesus is saying, they're going to rejoice. I'm going to be gone. And so the Holy Spirit is going to be here. You're going to be grieving. But your grief, and we know the end of the story he's sharing, your grief is going to be turned to joy, not just happiness. But grief is going to be turned to joy. Why? Joy because of the coming resurrection. Right now, the disciples are kind of in this waiting period. You ever been in a waiting period? It's not not fun spiritually. I was in uh, the waiting room. you have been in a waiting room in a hospital. Some of you have been in the waiting room. That's not joyous place, just to kind of be waiting and waiting and waiting. The disciples, they didn't really realize this at the time, but they're in a, a, a kind of a sense of waiting because Jesus is kind of saying, hey, I'm going to be leaving. The Holy Spirit is going to be here in this waiting, but then I am going to be resurrected. And of course, we know the Holy Spirit coming later at Pentecost. We get, we get the great privilege of having the Holy Spirit now. We, we, too, are kind of in a sense of waiting. Our waiting is a little bit different. Because the waiting that we're waiting on is the return of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is promising to them that this grief that they're experiencing is going to be coming to joy. How does, how does he further explain it? I love it. You wonder what the world of baby has to do with the book of John. What does the birth of Jesus have to do with the book of John? it's interesting that Jesus, in telling this story to his disciples about what's going to happen to him, he flashes back for a moment to the birth of a baby. And here's what he says in verse 21 Whenever a woman is in travail, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, she remembers the anguish no more. For joy that a child has been born into the world. Did you catch that phrase? Whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain niv says because her hour has come but when she gives birth to the child she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy she forgets the pain and the anguish because of the joy of now holding in her arms a precious little baby i know guys it's hard for us to relate because we haven't been through that process despite what people are saying now just by the way just want to go on record here newsflash only women can have babies Who would have thought that would be a radical thought in 2022? Hard for us to relate as men. But the pain that a woman, Jesus says, goes through in childbirth, that pain eventually turns to great joy. And Jesus promises the disciples that same kind of joy that happens for a woman who goes through childbirth is, I'm talking about even greater joy That is coming for those of you who are listening to me. And then the second observation I see here from this is what Jesus says in the next verse. Verse 22, let's look at it. Therefore you too now have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice because no one will take your joy away from you. If you're a child of God, that is a promise Jesus is making to his disciples and all disciples throughout eternity that nobody can take your joy away from you. I think I said this a few weeks ago. We're not talking about happiness here. We're talking about joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Nothing can take away my joy. Now, here's a question, just to being honest, a little heart exam for you. If people can take away your joy, you may not have ever had real joy. You may have had happiness. Because happiness is built and dependent upon some external circumstance or force. Joy comes from the Holy Spirit of God. Joy comes from communion with Jesus. And Jesus tells his disciples, I have some good, this is good news by the way. Good news, nobody can take away your joy. Now, in 53 years of life, I can tell you I've gone through some sorrow. I've gone through some sadness. I've gone through some tears, as many of you had in this room. I've gone through the ups and downs that life brings us. And I can tell you this when I've been truly connected to Jesus, nothing took the joy away. Doesn't mean I wasn't also sad. Doesn't mean I wasn't also upset or discouraged. But despite that, joy was there. And Jesus is promising nobody can take away your joy. Let's think about what these disciples are experiencing. They're they're sad. They're full of great sorrow. They're hearing that this one that they followed and they left everything behind. They left their nets and everything behind to follow after this man is now saying, Hey, I'm getting ready to leave. Get ready to leave? What am I supposed to do? I told my mom and dad, bye, I left, I left my job, I left my city, I left everything I knew and I've been following. Can you imagine what they're thinking? They're starting to get sorrowful, sad, maybe even a little scared. Sorrowful at the fact that they're going to lose this relationship with their mentor, their rabbi, the one that they've been following. Sorrowful that, that Jesus is kind of hinting that he's going to be humiliated and some things are going to happen to him. Sorrowful that the victory they thought they were going to see by following this man, he's saying is not going to happen because he's leaving they're still putting all the pieces of this together but they're sorrowful sorrowful because they their hope they think right now in the moment is actually being taken away from them and here's what they don't quite realize yet and maybe you're going through something in your life and you don't quite realize this yet Those bumps and those things that sometimes come in our life, we think, well, and and I even say this myself from time to time, oh, that's that's just a bump in the road. What if it's not just a bump in the road? What if the bump in the road is actually a purposeful, sovereign-placed event in your life for God to take your sorrow and turn it into joy? Some of you are thinking about it. It's all right. Take your time. Hurry up. The crucifixion was not a bump in the road of God's plan. The crucifixion was an intentional part of God's plan to bring about great joy. It was not like he was unaware of this was going to happen. This was a part of his plan. It was the way his plan would be fulfilled. And what Jesus is kind of hinting at here with the disciples is what's going on with them and what's about to happen with him leaving and the Holy Spirit coming and, of course, the resurrection that they don't quite know about yet. All this work that God is doing is not to replace their sorrow with joy. Don't miss this. I learned this this week. It's not to replace their sorrow with joy. It's to turn their sorrow into joy. It's a big difference. As a matter of fact, what Jesus is trying to explain the disciples here is, there will be no joy unless there is sorrow because sorrow turns into joy. That's good news for some of us maybe who are going through some sorrow or been through some sorrow recently. I've mistakenly prayed this for people who maybe have even lost a loved one. God, I just pray that you would replace their sorrow with joy. That's not a biblical prayer. God will take your sorrow and he will turn it into joy. And it may be a slow fade, it may happen quickly, but he will take the sorrow that you're feeling and he will use that sorrow to help you once you experience joy. To appreciate the fact that you went through sorrow just like Jesus said, just like having a child for a lady. And I'm not a lady, but if we took a survey of those of you who have had a child... You probably could explain that to us better than I can explain it to our church family. That that sorrow just didn't all of a sudden go, it's over. As a matter of fact, there's, from what ladies have told me, my wife primarily, there's some sorrow even a few months after the baby comes. Because you're walking around and you feel different. And there's emotional things that are going on. there are physical things that's going on. But eventually, over time, that sorrow turns into joy. And Jesus is... Sharing with his disciples how important that is that no one can take away that joy. Maybe he even was meaning this. One person I read about this week said that maybe perhaps Jesus is explaining to the disciples and explaining to us that the the resurrection would be so clearly and completely demonstrated to them that they would have no sorrow left because that fact of the resurrection would turn their sorrow into great joy. It's interesting that this joy that Jesus is talking about, Mary actually talks about this joy long before Jesus was born. Flip back and look at it with me. Flip backwards to the book of Luke, if you will. We're going to be flipping around a little bit this morning. Luke chapter 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Luke chapter 1. Mary echoes, the third observation that I see here and think about, is Mary actually echoes what Jesus tells his disciples. What does she say? Keep in mind, the angel the angel Gabriel has come to Mary and told her she's highly favored, she's a virgin, and she's going to conceive basically the Savior of the world. Soak that in just a little bit. She's maybe, biblical scholars say maybe 13, 14, 15 years of age. And the angel Gabriel comes to her and says, guess what? This is what's going to happen. And what is her... Response here 's what Mary says verse forty six Luke chapter one. Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior, for He has had regard for the humble state of his bondslave. for behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is His name and you can finish and I encourage you to finish reading that chapter sometime because it's amazing. So even Mary, even Mary's response is one of great joy. She is feeling great joy and delight. The same joy, by the way, that Jesus is talking about, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But not only, not only did the joy happen with Mary, but if you go on to flip over to chapter 2 of Luke, the joy is seen somewhere else with the, with the uh, angels. The angels of the Lord actually foreshadow this joy that Jesus is talking about with his disciples. If you all go all the way back to the angels, when the angels appear, here's what it says, Luke chapter 2. Joseph has taken Mary because of the census, you remember. From Nazareth to Bethlehem, the town of David, she starts to feel these birth pains. Meanwhile, while she's feeling these birth pains, here's what happens. Luke chapter 2, verse 9. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, the shepherds who were out in the field. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said, verse 10, do not be afraid, for behold... I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all people. So the angel of the Lord is foreshadowing the joy that Jesus is speaking about now with his disciples. I got to be honest with you, until this morning, I have incorrectly read that verse, and maybe you have too. Because here's the way I normally would read that verse. An angel said, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. And I would leave out an article in front of that that phrase. And the article is, A, I bring you good tidings of a great joy. The tidings are not the joy. The joy is Jesus. Jesus. The tidings are not what we get joyous about. The news is not what we get joyous about. Jesus is what we get joyous about. And the angel is saying, I'm bringing you good tidings of a great joy. And what the joy is, is Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Messiah of the world is coming. Hallelujah. Amazing. I've read that wrong. Yes, it's good news. Yes, they're joyful. But the news is not the joy. The joy is in the person of Jesus Christ and his salvation that he is going to bring. Why in the world would God send Jesus as a baby to this earth? Why? Because it was a great joy sending Jesus. To be the salvation of the world. This joy that's spoken of, by the way. The joy, the theme of joy goes on through through the whole New Testament. The disciples continue to talk about this great joy. The person that they walked the earth with, that they knew was the joy of mankind. James talked about it. The book of James says, James the disciple says, greater joy has no man than this. Actually, that's the book of John where Jesus said, greater joy has no man than this. That he lay down his life for his friends. That's the kind of joy he's talking about. James said it this way, he said, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials because you know the testing of your faith produces endurance. How could he say that? Where's that joy coming from? That joy is coming from Jesus. Peter said it this way in First Peter chapter 1, though you've not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him, and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. That's what Peter says. Paul says it this way, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Even Jesus, even Jesus kept on his mind this whole attitude of joy. When you walked into the room this morning, I hope you walked in going, you know what, I hope people are going to be glad to see me. Maybe you walked in the room not knowing if people were going to be glad to see you. What do you think about when you think about what people think of you? I know that's not always healthy to go be concerned with what people think about you. But I want to tell you what Jesus thinks about you. Because the writer of Hebrews says it this way. Here's what Jesus thinks about you. Jesus Christ for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God, Jesus Christ, for the joy set before him. What was the joy that Jesus set before him? The fact that all of us who claim to know him and receive his salvation, that would happen. That was the joy that kept him motivated to go to the cross. That's the kind of joy that we're talking about. Hebrews reminds us of this joy. Hebrews, that's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Hebrews remind us, that's the fifth thing that you'll see there. Hebrews remind us, it's the joy, uh, for the joy that Jesus endured the cross. Knowing that salvation would come for us. Amazing. So let's go back to John and see how Jesus continues to talk to the disciples. And what does he say here about this great joy? This wonderful joy that he has given to us. Let me pick up from verse 21 again. Jesus says, whenever a woman's in travail, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, she remembers the anguish no more for a joy that the child has been born into the world. Therefore, you too now have sorrow. But I'll see you again and your heart will rejoice. And no one takes your joy away from you. In that day, you'll ask me no question. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you shall ask the Father for anything, he'll give it to you in my name. Until now, you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, don't miss it, that your joy may be made full. Jesus, the sixth thing I see here is Jesus is promising even greater joy. You say, what is that? The disciples have been with Jesus. They haven't really needed to ask for everything or anything because they've been walking with Jesus. And Jesus is saying to them, bringing them comfort and joy, because they're probably wondering, no, wait a minute, if you leave, everything that we've needed, you have provided. If we've been hungry, we've seen you, we've seen you turn uh, little fish and loaves into all this bread and take care of people and feed people. If we needed something to drink, if we needed a place to go, you you took care of us. You were our God. We didn't have to worry about that. But now you're getting ready to leave and Jesus is promising this greater joy. What is the greater joy? The greater joy is they're going to have coming and constant access to God, not because of Jesus physically being on earth, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, they're going to have constant connection to Jesus. They didn't realize that because there's often times where Jesus would, would kind of sneak off and he would go pray. You remember those stories? And he would leave the disciples behind. And they didn't really realize, you know, hey, if, if he was not to come back, we'd be in trouble. They weren't even maybe thinking of that at that point. I don't know. But they start thinking about it now because they're like, well, he's getting ready to leave. And what Jesus is saying is, it's going to be okay that I'm getting ready to leave. Because guess what? You will never have to. I know this is inappropriate English. But you'll never not be connected to me because I'm going to send the power of the Holy Spirit to come to be with you. And it's going to be a greater joy because you will have constant connection with me always. Ask and you receive. You'll be able to ask and receive and that your joy will be made full. Your joy will be complete. Friends, that is the joy of Christmas. Not that this little baby came and stayed in a manger. Not even that this little baby grew up to become a man. Not even that this little baby is important as all these things are. and They're very, very important. That this man would give his life on a cross. And then he would be resurrected. Those are awesome, phenomenal things. But guess what? You and I get to talk to that Jesus any day, any time we want. That's what's awesome. The question is, are we doing it? That's the joy Jesus is saying. You're not going to have to not be connected with me. I know it seems like I'm going away and the disciples are trying to figure this out. And Jesus is trying to explain this to them. No, you're not going to be disconnected from me. That's the greater joy. In the last day, you will ask no question, he says. Until now, you've asked for nothing. Ask and you will receive that your joy will be made complete. That is the joy of Christmas, that the gift of God through his son, Jesus, while God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should have everlasting life, should not perish, should not die. We should spend eternity with the king and we can have that constant communication with him now so here's the question that i have to ask myself and that i would ask you dear friend as i walk around and look at people who say yes i know jesus and hey i know life is hard and i know we have challenges i get it we do i do too but if the world looks at us and we look like we have no joy we look like what we have is temporal why would they want any of that they wouldn't, and they don't. But oh, if they knew about the joy of having constant communion with the Creator of the universe, and they saw that in us because of the gift of God through His Son Jesus, wow, that's true joy. Do you have it? Do you have the joy of the Lord today? I hope that you do. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, I thank you that the joy that you talk about will never, ever go away. Because you're never going away. And I thank you, Lord, that the joy that you had of looking down through the ages and seeing my friends in here and around the planet that have said yes to receiving that great joy that great news of salvation that as you looked down through the ages and saw that lord that was the motivation for you to obey your heavenly father thank you that despite the challenges of life that we all face there is a joy an unspeakable joy as peter says an inexpressible joy that can be ours I pray today that every friend in this place would take hold of that joy. Friends, I'm going to be quiet for just a minute and just ask you to do business with the Lord today and just ask Him that question. Do I have that joy? Do I have that joy? It's a free gift of God. If you don't have that joy or you want to know the joy that Jesus is speaking about today through a personal relationship with Him. Just a minute, my friend Joey is going to lead us in a closing song, an invitation hymn, which simply means we're going to invite you to to respond to whatever God said to you to your heart. My friend Heath will be here. I'll be here. We'd love to pray with you, encourage you. Maybe today you're in the midst of sorrow. And your prayer would be, God, Would you turn that sorrow to joy? Maybe today there's things going on in your life that you just, you need the help of the Lord with. I don't know how God's speaking to your heart today. But I do know, based on experience and on the authority of what Jesus says in his word, that when you give your life to him, you'll get a joy that can never be taken away. And if you need that today, it's a free gift. Father, I pray you'd have your way during this invitation. Would you speak to our hearts today? Lord, I believe you already are. I know you're speaking to mine. Lord, as we stand and sing in just a moment, I pray that you'd be honored with our response. That you'd be honored and pleased with what we do here today as we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love you this morning. If you need to respond to the Lord this morning in any way, we're going to stand in just a minute and sing a closing song. Maybe you'd say, you know what? Wow, this is a place of joy. I want to put my roots down here at Crossroads and be a part of this church family. If you do, you can let us know that this morning. Just by coming down and saying, hey, that's what I want to do. Or if you need prayer this morning or you need to receive the joy of Jesus, then we'll be here this morning. Would you stand with me and we'll sing our closing song together. Let's stand.
0: We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.